by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Want to bet? Then get in on the action at Sports Interaction. The boys of summer are back on the diamond and March Madness is on deck. Bet pregame, live in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Head to sportsinteraction.com sdpn or in Ontario, download the app now using the QR code at the bottom of the screen. 19 plus, please play responsibly. What is up, Oilers fans? We are back with another edition of Game Over Edmonton. Of course, I'm Dennis Lee. I'm joined by your lovely co-host, Zach Wheel. But we got our special guest today, Shaden. Shay, how are you doing today, man? You know, today was going was okay. Um, the Oilers definitely made it better. Um, been studying for midterms lately, so that's not fun. No, but no. I'm glad I'm done that phase of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just happy we got the win. Although, um, I don't think it's wrong to say they could have played better. But an we'll ugly win to say the least. I mean, definitely. 4-2 final score. It looks good if you just if you're watching the numbers afterwards. But mm-hmm. Zach, yeah, let's let's start slicing and dicing because I know that's your specialty. Oh man! So obviously everyone knows we're we're back at eleven and seven, so that obviously benefits them. Deharnay's in the lineup, so you're thinking, okay, cool, guaranteed win, right? Stuart Skinner starting, so hopefully we get some better goaltending. Um, and the flattest team i have ever seen comes out onto the ice i don't know if they were drinking like uh, i don't know tylenol nighttime before the game or what they were doing but they were so drowsy and so dead that it was they were look lethargic we need like they need a wellness test or something like i don't know if they forgot the smelling salts on the bench i don't know what happened it was ridiculous and and then to come out especially and if one thing if it's against colorado or new york in the last couple games this was against Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure the second goal was scored by Yan Mysak's brother, Lick Mysak. Like, I still don't know who that was. And yeah, no, that was a horrible effort. Thank God they came back to uh, win the game. Obviously, I I hate to sit here and nitpick a win, but I have a feeling that's kind of what we're going to we're going to get into today. Well, to start it off, we knew like this Flyers team, if anything, they got no quit because Torts is behind the bench. They they know if you're not going to play hard, you're not playing next game. Torts is a coach that sticks to his word. If you're not giving 110% every single night, yeah, you're not playing that next game. And uh, just wanted to shout out in chat, Jay Money came in yesterday night when the Flyers beat Calgary, uh, hoping that they would beat the Oilers today. Didn't happen. Thankfully, otherwise, I think this entire show would be uh, far more red. We'd all be seeing fumes. Uh, Just wanted to thank everyone for coming back here. We got uh, nine watching live right now. Hopefully that number comes up a little bit. Jeez. Everyone's as dead as the Oilers are. Jesus, no (laughs) one wants to watch. You know okay. what? It's it's odd, right? Like the Oilers showed up today like the entire team still had the flu. And obviously we know they're starting yeah. to recover from that. Vincent DeHarnay came back up off of a little bit of a cap, you know. We 
circumvented the cap in a legal way with this whole roster situation, uh, emergency call-ups and so on. I, and so I think forth. Ken Holland stepped on a rake and, and hit him in the <laughs> face. I don't think this was on purpose whatsoever. I think this whole cap thing that's happened over the last week has just been an absolute mess. Uh, but just looking at the game, obviously Philadelphia throws a style where they're just getting in lanes and they're trapping up the neutral zone and everything. So Shane, I wanted to ask you, what do you see? Because you know you know this a little better than I do, I think. This, to me, reminded me of those games against the LA Kings where the Oilers just struggle so hard beating that neutral zone trap. What is it about that system that the Oilers struggle with? How can they beat it? Is it getting a defenseman who can make that pass? Is it just dump and chase? Like, what's going on? Why do they struggle with it? I mean, their breakouts are terrible. I mean, besides <laughs> Bouchard, arguably, like, no one can really transport the puck. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, that's why they're, you know, you're, you're hearing talk of Eric Carlson and, you know, they really do need an elite puck mover behind back there because you know, every time, you know, nurse or CC or Kulak, um, you know, tries to get the puck up, it's just off the glass and out. And as, um, you guys mentioned, it's just unforced icings. So, you know, I, I, I get the need for an Eric Carlson, but you know, if it's going to cost you guys like an Evan Bouchard, like, is that worth it in the end? Because, so, you know, that's my only issue with this whole Eric Carlson talk. Because if you're going to give up a young kid like Evan Bouchard, who's still developing, who actually had a really good game today, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's worth it. See, I, and the thing is, Evan Bouchard had a great game. And I think in, in most of our eyes, as Bouchard fans, you see that, but... Obviously, he was on the ice for the first goal again. So people are just going to see that minus or whatever. And then they're going to point out that and say he had bad defense, even though he had nothing to do with the play, which I saw you point out astutely on Twitter. Yeah. And they're going to point out, I, I believe it was late in the third. Um, Evan Bouchard had a giveaway and the Flyers got a pretty decent chance off of. And it was that big mistake once again that we've kind of seen him make this season, even though he's been really good, uh, that people are going to point to and say, Okay, you know what? If you're bringing in an Eric Carlson, uh, and obviously I don't think there's any right answer. Like Evan Bouchard is the best puck mover on this defense by far. And and we got to talk a bit more about the game. Like the thing is, Evan Bouchard is the best puck mover. Nurse can move it, but I'd say he's mediocre at best. He's not a very good puck moving defenseman. CeCe could not move it in a novice game uh <laughs> philip roberg I, we haven't really seen too much dayarnay's like they're all kind of depth defensemen barry kind of can be slow he's lost a step and same with kulak kulak is just they're they're mid they're 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 not top pairing puck moving defensemen right so i don't know if eric evan bouchard could easily be a 70 point defenseman but i that's in like three years you know what i mean like yeah. This year is the year that matters. So would I be upset if they moved Evan Bouchard in an Eric Carlson trade? Probably. But I feel like I'd also be able to get over it way quicker than, you know, the Hall for Larson trade or something like that, right? Because you are bringing in the potential Norris winning defenseman if that were to happen. Um, you know what? I, I feel that there's there's no right answer. You're, you're absolutely correct when it comes to trades management all you can do is take the information you have and try and make the best of it but you're right let's get into all the trade talk later on in the show because by god there's going to be tons of that but first just to cover a little bit more of the game i mean to start off it 
it seemed like the Oilers had some decent jump in the first five minutes. Yeah, but once you, yeah, once you hit that fifth minute into the game, and especially with, I mean, Kate's that first goal and the wraparound on Skinner, it's a little yeah. deflating for the team. Absolutely. I'm sure Skinner wanted that one back. I mean, end, ended up with a 920 save percentage. Skinner was instrumental in the end to winning this game. But it, it is tough when you have these one one or two squeaker goals. And we saw that last season with Miko Koskinen. First shot of a game, he would have that sneak by him. It's hard to get any momentum off of that. Um, of course, an, another awful goal was the CC pass where it was just a bit of a oh. flub to Broberg right into his skates. It's pretty much double covered at that point. Yeah. Meanwhile, the other half of the ice was completely open, right? Mm-hmm. So you guys are completely right in that we need that puck moving defenseman. Right now, the biggest issue is Bouchard's not having a good year. And you could probably say that, yeah, CC's not having a good year. But this is the year. The West is completely open. I I think there's a big narrative out there that Bouchard's not having a good year. But if you look at the metrics in terms of all the other defensemen, I'm sure Shaden can say this as well. Bouchard has been their best defenseman just in terms of expected goals and whatnot and creating while he's on the ice. The the problem, it's it's a lot of the problem with that eye test, right? And the eye test obviously is, it it can be good and it can be beneficial. But when something really big and really flashy happens at one moment of the game that will stick out in your memory, like Bouchard has a big giveaway or, you know, the minus on the score sheet, it might skew your perspective on it. Where you look at like, you know, Darnell Nurse who kind of had some rig or some big physical flashy plays tonight. But in my, from my perspective, I don't think he was very good at all. I think they, the entire defense struggled tonight uh, creating because of the way the Flyers trapped up the zone. So it's really it's really tough to say, and it, it, it's an ongoing problem. And I think it's going to be something we're discussing really until after the deadline because we really don't know how the Oilers' blue line is going to look on March 4th. So, so yeah, it's, it's a real interesting thing. But but the thing is today, what, what ha- essentially happened in the first is Philly forced the Oilers in to playing their game. They were slow. There were no rush chances whatsoever. I said this to the guys before we started the show, but I'm pretty sure, and I'm a noted Devin Shore hater. Devin Shore had the had the two best chances five on five in the first 40 minutes, 10 shots through the first 40 minutes against a team missing. They were already one of the worst teams in the NHL, and they're missing $25 million worth of players. Like, you quite literally couldn't make up a worse team. This is the Lee Valley Phantoms or whatever, but like, <laughs> and, and the Oilers were going, you would, you you would, if you didn't know anything about hockey, you would have no idea that the Oilers had some of the most skilled players in the world on that team. Like for the first 40 minutes. And like, I, I know you brought up that first goal on Skinner, Dennis, like just as much as it's on Skinner, like, oh, again, bad goal for Skinner. Shouldn't let that in no matter what, but Leon could put a little bit more effort in, behind the net and tying up and tying up that the guy. Cause I'm pretty sure Cates was his guy coming around the net. Um, you tie him up, you block the pass, whatever. Uh, that doesn't happen. But anyways, I'm not sure. Shane, what'd you see in the first 40 minutes of the of play here? Well, just on that, um, Cates goal. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that was Leon's guy. And no, I was going to mention this at the start of the podcast. I don't know what's up with Leon. Mm-hmm. Um, like I know he's playing up the points, and I mean obviously he's gonna he's gonna hit like 120 points, which is awesome. But there's something off, and mm-hmm. you know whether that's lingering effects from the high ankle sprain, whether it's a netter issue. Like I don't know what's up, but he hasn't been the same. I for the past month 
and a half. I've been seeing him blindly backhanding passes in the zone. They're oh. getting picked off. And like this is supposed to, this is this guy's the I don't care if I'm being biased. He's the best passer in the league. When he's mm-hmm. on his game, he's the best passer in the league. Absolutely. And for some reason his passes aren't going through. And you know, going to another conversation, um, how you're talking about after the after the first five minutes, Philly just outworked us. I don't know who mentioned it. I think it was either Gage or Stoffer, but they said um will over scale. That's true. Like you have the most skilled players in the world, but if you don't put in the work you're gonna get crushed out there. And that's yep. exactly what happened. He had 10 shots in the first two 40 minutes. They woke up in the third, got had 17 shots on net. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what is up with this team. And it's been a trend for years, too. Like, they really never show up against teams that are below them in the standings. <laughs> and it's it's puzzling, to say the least. Absolutely. I, I It is really puzzling. But when they said that, will before skill, will over skill. That's absolutely true. That's why teams, like, that's why those surprise. That's why Columbus can touch the playoffs in years past. That's why all these hardworking teams with not much skill can make it so far and do so well. And, and I find the Oilers, when they play these teams, they rely on their skill too much. They try and pass it in the net, and these teams trap up the neutral zone, and the Oilers don't have defensemen that can make a pass. And that's why twenty nine and ninety seven requested defensemen that can make a pass. So we'll see where that goes. But no, I absolutely agree. I'm glad they brought it up. I'm glad you brought it up. It's something that's been. It's it's a theme throughout the the season with the way the Oilers play. Um, yeah, no, they definitely need to show up. It, it comes down to effort. It just comes down to effort. They was so sloppy. Whether it was Leon in the first period, I counted three backhand passes kind of at the opposition blue line that just went the other way. Then first shift of the second period, you think, okay, they're going to come out harder. No, Leon again, backhand pass, picked off Flyers chance the other way. Like, he, I don't know what it is with him. And I think maybe you're like, I think you are right. There is an injury there. He has not been 100% all season. It is clear. He's not nearly as dominant in the offensive zone. You see it in the way that he skates. He's just not as, um, I, I, he's never been a mobile guy, but he's not as like elusive with the puck, if that makes sense. Like it is almost like they're, they're, the, the Flyers are poke checking it away from him in, in years past when he would just go around these guys, no problem. Like McDavid would do those drop passes to him kind of when they're doing their like weird reverse cycle down in the corner and Leon would be able to uh, uh, evade traffic. But this year it seems like more often than not, Leon's running into a stick, running into a body and it's going the other way, right? Even though he is putting up the points and he is still a great player. And I think it will come back. I think if you watch to me, like in the Colorado game last game, the first two periods, Leon clearly made an effort to show up. And I thought Leon was really, really, really good last game. So, you know, he still has it in him. I don't know if it just takes more energy for him to give that kind of effort this year because of the effects, how he feels physically, but it's in him. That's why I know it's a, it's a team in the uh, lower in the standings and it looks bad, but that's why I keep saying this. I've said this in the past that I know when the playoffs come around, when it's round one, he's going to go back to that Colorado form, that way he played in the Calgary series where even though he wasn't moving, he was still absolutely dominant. So it looks bad and he should be doing better, but I also am not worried about him. If that makes sense. I don't know if you, you feel the same way. I was just going to say um, like, yeah, it feels like he saves his best for like, better competition that makes sense against Tampa he was great I noticed against um uh I think it was the Rangers he was good against the Rangers but it's like games against Columbus in Chicago it's like oh it's like come on Leon you're like no offense to the players on those teams like you're so much better than them like you could be doing way way better and Mm -hmm. yeah just 
Yeah, but I agree. Like when game one of the playoffs comes around, whoever we play, um, yeah, I expect him and everyone else to take a take a huge step in their play. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've seen what playoff Connor, what playoff Leon can do. I mean, hell, even Zach Hyman, like who had yeah. what twelve goals last playoffs, like yeah. The Oilers have a bunch of guys that show up come, come playoff times. It's just really frustrating when you see poor effort consistently totally. for them. Totally. But, yeah. I, I, Dennis, you I go think, ahead. Yeah, one of the, the key things that we've been noticing, especially against these teams where, you know, the Oilers aren't really matching their effort level, is the dominance of the third line, right? The McLeod, Fogle, those guys are constantly trying to make a name for themselves, constantly trying to push themselves to the next level. So they don't take any games off. It's the same reason why the NHL All-Star Game pales in comparison to the AHL All-Star Game, right? Younger guys just have a little bit more drive and they're trying to push themselves into that next level, into the limelight. So they're able to push themselves into that role. Like, I don't fault Dreisaitl for saying, hey, maybe I take a little bit of a step back. But in the end, you know, when you're down like 2-1, he's still playing a ton of minutes. Leon played 21 minutes tonight. So as much as I fault, I don't fault him for it, you got to show up. And you got to start skating a little bit harder, less gliding on the back check. In the beginning of the game, he had two great back checks, but Mm -hmm. that just all went away. Right off the jump. In that first five minutes where the Oilers outshot them, and then they didn't get another shot for the next like 15 minutes in the first period, right? It just, they just withered away and died. And then once the Flyers got that first goal, right, they just trap it up and it's impossible to get something going for this team. Uh, I see everyone talking in the chat about Fogel. One thing I will say, and it's kind of, this is like the weirdest Twilight Zone stat or Twilight Zone thing that's going on with this team. It's it's the fact that the bottom six is performing what seems to be like as well as I can remember in the last five, six, seven years of being an Oilers fan, right? They're consistently going out. And even if they're not scoring, they're not pretty, they're not giving up anything. Uh, even even. Fogel, McLeod, and Yanmark looks a little bit dangerous, you know, the odd time. Uh, I know, I know Shane's not the biggest Yanmark fan, but um, yeah. To say uh, the least. No, exactly. But like, and, I thought it, it's really, it's really, really good. And then you go and it's Leon who is on the ice when the goal goes in, right? That's yeah. the killer. This is like twilight zone stuff. We're leaking goals from our top six. It's the big dogs that are, that are having the, the little errors and whatnot. Heck so. I mean, Derek Ryan chipping in on a couple games, you know, Devin Shore tonight, he didn't play awful, (laughs) given your standards, Zach. Oh, yeah, dude, the last two games Devin Shore has played might be the two best games I can remember is Devin Shore as an Oiler. He wasn't a black hole with the puck. He actually made plays. Again, I think the best chance in this says how well the Oilers played. The best chance five on five in the first period was I believe Devin Shore took a shot and Jesse almost redirected it in. And then in the second period, Bouchard took a shot and Devin Shore almost scored it, I believe. And, and those to me were the two best chances five on five in the first because Barry got the power play goal, right? So it, it, it's really, really weird to watch. But and again, this was such a slow, choppy game that we don't have that many different plays that you could. It was really boring for quite a while, right? There wasn't much going on. We don't have a lot of material almost to go on about because they were just playing ping pong with the puck because the Oilers couldn't. Com- I guess I saw some point on the chat. The Oilers couldn't complete a, a pass. 
right? Yeah. Two passes and it was on a flyer stick and then D'Angelo would bank it in and it was just, it was just going back and forth. It was a game of ping pong for quite a while. Uh, it was just attempted, attempted zone exit stopped, attempted zone exit stopped, attempted zone exit stopped. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a really rough go tonight. Thank God they got the W though. Like, thank God they yeah. needed this. The next two games, super important. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's kind of struggling along. You need to come out and beat Pittsburgh. And I know Columbus has given teams like Dallas trouble, but you still you need to come out at least go one zero and one against the next three, because then you get a stretch in the next after that. Your six of your next seven games are against Toronto, Boston, and Winnipeg, who are all, all right at the top of their divisions, right at the top of the NHL, really. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, don't forget you mentioned Columbus. Columbus got two points against us, so yeah, I, I you got to show up. Identical to this, in, in my opinion. But yeah, Shaden, what were you gonna say? No, I was gonna mention that uh, you know, if you look at our past ten games, right, we lost I think five OT games. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just saying, if the Oilers won those five OT games, I'm pretty sure that they're top in the West, if not second in the West. Like we mentioned earlier, say the West is wide open. Yep. Like. Every single point matters, and that determines where, who you play in the playoffs, home ice advantage, all that stuff. Those five points make a huge difference. So mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Look at tonight, right? L.A. lost to Minnesota. Vegas lost to Chicago. Yes, it was an overtime. Still swear that, that Patrick Kane goal should have counted oh, uh, the buzzer beater. But, yeah, the, the West is is so close right now and it's there for the taking before this last you know five game stretch we were already saying like the oilers could top the division after these couple of easier games they still can they still can it's just that we we should have been there right well i mean we should be there right now yeah exactly it's it's games like this here no shit you go you go ahead you go ahead because I was going to because like, you know, the Colorado game, I don't care. I got some flack on Twitter for saying this. I don't care. The Oilers outplay the Avs. Mm-hmm. Jack, Jack Campbell makes a say to win that game. Absolutely the Rangers agree. game, it's kind of the opposite. He, he kept you in there. You blew that one. Detroit game, you know, you, you clawed back. But like at some point, you need to start winning these shootout games. Yeah. Even the one against Philly the week before, right? I mean, it we kind of they played how they did in the first forty minutes. They, they were half assing it, and until the last five minutes of that game, um, that's when he really started to pour it on. So, you know, yeah, and it's especially frustrating too because you know our weaker part of the schedule is kind of done now. You're heading into the tough stretch of your year. Yeah, this is when the trade deadline is. All the teams in your division and conference are going to be adding up. Vegas and Dallas are two teams competing for you with for Patrick Kane. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I mean, do you guys want to tie this into the trade? Well, topic? yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's just start it out with saying what Bob Stoffer said. So I think all yeah. of us have been on Twitter. We've all been irritated with these unsanctimonious, unceremonious losses that the others have had where they've blown leads. And, you know, we've both we've all been calling for months saying it's the time to make a move now. It's the time to make a move now. And it seems like media and, and everyone else is kind of given the pushback on that and said, no, Ken Owens got patience. It's time to wait. But the man, the myth, the lesson, my fourth favorite OEG employee, Bob Stoffer, he went on at the intermission first period and he said, Ken, it's time for Ken Hall to make a move. He said the team is playing tight like this because they know that a move is coming and they're thinking about it. Like they know they're waiting for that spark that the player will bring in or they're nervous about who's going out. 
Uh, I'm not sure what he exactly implied there with that, but that's kind of what I what I took from it. But and then he said Ken Hall on the broadcast to everyone watching the game across the NHL that Ken Holland is a very well compensated man. And the time is now to let, go get it. And Bob, if you don't know, w- like I said, works for the Oilers. So for him to say that, you're telegraphing across the league like something's coming. And it better not be Devin Shore being sent down tomorrow, right? <laughs> like that can't be the move. So something bigger is coming. And I don't know if it's Patrick Kane. Apparently Patrick Kane still hasn't had a sit down with the GM of Chicago to tell him what he wants, even though it's been rumored that Edmonton is one of the top three destinations. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. What let's let's start it off with this. Let's start it off with this. Cause there's obviously the trade talks just ramping up. We're um to, uh, midnight tonight will be nine days away from the deadline day. Um Shaden, if it was up to you, what is your ideal Oilers deadline look like? All right. So I posted posted's tweet somewhere to us a couple of days ago. I think there's three needs that the Oilers have to fill. Mm-hmm. A top four D a top or middle six winger and the PK is bad. So they, I think they need a bottom six PK who can out, who can also chip in five E five. Um, you know, there's a lot of names floating around. Um, who knows at this point what's happening with Jacob Chickern, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's supposed to be traded like two years ago and like, you know, he was, he's been scratched for almost like half a month now and still no movement on that front. He's going to so retire I, before he leaves Arizona, right? <laughs> He was practicing today. The uh, imagine yeah. he plays in Arizona's next game. If I'm him, I would be so pissed. Oh, that was ridiculous. But anyways, continue shaking. So, um, you know, for top four D, I mean, there's the Carlson rumors. Even though I, I think it was Sir Valley who reported today that it's not likely going to happen. Maybe that was Tagnota. I forgot who. It was Tagnota. Um, yeah. So, into that. you know, the guy I mine is Matthias Eckholm. And yeah. I know that his contract is kind of iffy considering the fact that I think he's like 32 or 33, mm-hmm. but this is a guy that's going to make your team better. He's yes. a full on shutdown guy. He's, I hate, I hate using this term, but the guy has playoff experience. He's been to a cup final in 2017. And, you know, this is exactly the type of guy they need. Um, mm-hmm. It would allow, it would allow Kulak to slide back down to the third pair. And yep. then you could probably use Brobergs as a seventh defenseman. And it just makes your def- D-Corp so much more balanced. It mm-hmm. takes the pressure off Nurse. Like, that's that's the guy I'm yep. looking at for Edmonton. Yeah, I, I described – so when I I was talking about Matias Ekholm earlier today, and I like Ekholm. I think Ekholm's a really good defenseman. I think Nashville, they love him. They're going to ask for the sun of the moon. I think they're going to overvalue the shit out of him. To, to I be, like to me, Matias Ekholm is almost the perfect combination of Clefbaum and Larson. You know what I mean? He's a little bit more offensively oriented than Adam Larson, but he still has that big, mean, just dick Swedish energy on him, right? So like he is a he he, he would be an awesome fit here, right? And and I know they would try and trade for someone like Tanner Janot too, who would be really good and had twenty goals last year, I believe. So that would be good to me. In my mind, and I understand, okay, it's realistic. And maybe Ken Holland's abacus doesn't go to eight figures or whatever. So maybe he won't be able to figure out this year. But if the potential Norris Trophy winning defenseman said, I will, like he said, that he will waive his no move clause to come to Edmonton, which I don't know how long everyone's been here. Not many players do that. Not many players that good do that. So for him to say that is huge. You need to move. 
heaven and earth. I don't care how hard it is. Again, as Bob Stoffer said, you're the most, you're a, a very well compensated general manager. Why um, <laughs> that made me laugh? Um, uh, you're a very well compensated general manager. You need to do whatever, whatever you can, whether it's moving out um, uh, a Tyson Berry, who's been good, who's been fine, but Tyson Berry is, I like, I, I said this earlier, it's like comparing John Gabriel Pajot to Connor McDavid. No problem with John Gabriel Pajot, but not even in the same stratosphere as Connor McDavid, right? Like, it's apples and oranges, two completely different things. This guy, if San Jose is dying on the hill of, okay, we only want to retain 20%, what I say, and again, how realistic is this? But again, I'm not paid $5 million. Okay, instead of just Pooley-Arvey and Barry that you're moving out, find a way to get rid of one of Yamamoto or Fogel as well. For the most part, Pooley-Arvey and Fogel have been swapping as healthy scratches and Yamamoto has been injured for more often than he's not been this year. So I don't really think you're sacrificing as much depth as it might seem like with that. I think you're swapping Barry for Carlson. And I think you can, you have guys like Raphael Lavoie even, and I know he's not proven, but I know the Oilers probably want to give him a shot here. He scored again today. You have players that you could come up who are making 870 grand, not 3.1 million like Yamamoto, who I feel like, like Yamamoto in the three games he's been back. And I know he's been injured and he's had had issues, but useless. Like just, I'm being blunt, useless, done nothing, quite literally nothing. I don't know if you guys saw something different with the Yamamoto, but I feel like there are guys on the farm that can come up and do just as good a job for a quarter of the money. And if you can figure out how to bring in Carlson, whether it's at seven, eight or nine or whatever, make it work. This is the Norris trophy winning defenseman. And you have the two, the best player in the league in Leon this year. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I yeah. Mean, it's just something you got to do to me. You do it. I, I think it's clear, right? Everyone would in a non cap situation, everyone would situation. love Carlson. I'd love him in a cap situation. It, the problem with the cap is we got to make the money work. And it, I get it. It's tough. The If you can, if you can, and it's yeah. just a couple of assets going yes. back the other way, I, that's... Yes. I, I completely agree. Before you go in, I don't want to be an asshole, so I'm sorry. But can I say one thing I forgot to say? Sorry. So another thing for people in oil country, uh, oil country, a lot of people, when they see Toronto make a move, that's what really gets under their skin, right? That's what sparks something. And for the Leafs to go out, we're in a very similar position with their core and their playoff success in regard, as Edmonton is, to go out and make that splash and get the Nolachari and Ryan and the Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan Ryan O'Reilly, an elite player, won a con smite, making seven point. Today. Had a hat, had a hat exactly instrumental. He puts Toronto just over the top. He is a clutch. You we brought up playoff performance. We brought up everything. Everything Ryan O'Reilly can do, he does. He makes that team so much better, so much harder to play against. The, the Toronto Maple Leafs, when they traded for Ryan O'Reilly, had where they were in LTI, just like the others. They had one million dollars in salary cap space. They figured out how to bring on a seven point two five million dollar cap it and Nolachari, however much Nolachari makes without getting rid of anything off their roster. They made it work. If they can make it work, you can make it work. It can be done. That's why it frustrates me, and I'm sure many other ones, since no one's when you're a dollar in, dollar out, or all this other garbage. But it's absolutely, like, it's not true. Like, yes, in theory, dollar in, dollar out. 
But there is blatant examples that happened five days ago. If you own a TV, you know it's possible. Because, like, if you have a cell phone, you know it's possible. So, sorry, and Dennis, I'll let you go back on what you were saying. But I wanted to bring up that caveat that with the cap, even as tight as it is, it can be done. You just need to be able to get creative. You need to be able to think. And if you can't, you should not be a general manager and step down. I think that's the biggest point, right? Yes, we work in these cap situations. There are things where it's it's you can't do certain things, right? You can't pay a guy a dollar anymore. Like the NHL doesn't work like that anymore. There's a minimum salary you have to pay. So scratch all the things that are illegal that you cannot do. Within those rights, you know, you can retain money maximum of up to 50%. You could get a third team involved. They can do a 50% of what's left over. Within that set of rules, that's where you operate. And the next thing you have to look at is what's going back the other way. I think Toronto is a great trade because like you mentioned, it was mostly picks going the other way, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't hurt their team's roster at all. A lot of people are calling on the fact that, hey, if we bring in a Carlson, half this team is going to be gone. Well, no, like strategically, you're going to have a couple guys that are probably gone for cap reasons, not so much for, you know, trade value reasons, but you have to see those for what they are, right? If San Jose says, all right, I'm willing to retain 40%. And Mike Greer has said that he's not willing to do anything beyond blah, blah, blah. That's There's all BS. There's reports with that, right? Like, no one knows actually what's going on within that conversation between Holland and Greer. I've heard that it, retention is no issue, and it's just a matter of what the Oilers are offering. But we've also heard that, nope, they will not cross that 20% threshold, even if they were offering Connor McDavid, right? Like, you yeah. just, we, we've heard it both ways. So you don't really know what's going on. Uh, and MGD made a great point, and I'll, and I'll let you get back. And I just wanted to acknowledge this. She does, he does say that the difference between the Leafs trade and the Oilers trade is that the Oilers are targeting people with years left on their contract, right? And, mm-hmm. and it does, and it does make it harder. The third party is almost impossible if, yeah. if you have years left on your contract. But we're not saying to not take people off the roster, and we're also not trying to. You're not offering up people with no value. Tyson Berry has value around the NHL. San Jose could acquire him and flip him tomorrow. The Oilers could probably send Tyson Berry out for a draft pick and just use that draft pick in the deal to get Eric Carlson. Now, is Ken Holland that creative? Does he have that patience? Is he willing to risk it and not get Carlson? You know, if you you trade a defenseman away in the playoff round. There's things I wanted to let uh, Shaden jump in on this because I've kind of been hogging the mic in you as well, but that's kind of what I believe. you you have to get something done. The time is now. Like not on deadline day. Like in the next couple of days. Sorry, and I'll let you. The the pool yardy bullshit that's going on right now. Like is he uh, every day checking waivers right at noon? Is he going to be with? Is he not running the short roster because you're kicking the can down the road? Like you have fucked with your team so much in the name of cap restrictions. It's game fifty six now. Game one of the regular season. They were running a short roster. You should have had this shit figured out by now. Like, I don't know what is wrong with them. But again, I said this before, Joe from Stony Plain could figure out these cap things with cap friendly and a, and a scientific calculator from the dollar store. Like really, it's really not that difficult to see what needs to be done. I just, and again, I, I, I'm armchair GMing a bit and you, you whatever, but there is a path to doing stuff if you're willing to pay the price. I hear a lot. Sorry, one one more thing. One more thing. I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, the bar." I heard on Oilers now today that 
the price for defensemen is too high and the bargains might not be there with the forwards. The bargains might not where might be where the forwards are. Sorry. No one. I don't think there's any Oilers fan asking Ken Holland to go pull off a haul for Larson heist. No one wants him to rob another team blind. No one wants him to win a trade outright. Right. That's not. And we want him to win the trade, but that's not what we're saying. We're not. We don't want him to get a steal. We I think everyone is comfortable giving up your first, your second, another first. But we'll go. If it means you're bringing in a player that has an impact, I think impact is way more important than the bargain. That's what you should be concerned with impact, not the price. If the player is as impactful and he's worth the price, absolutely, by all means, it's time to pay up. It's time to do it now. Now you guys can go. Yeah, I mean, key point. Uh, Chin, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, um, like, if Holland just stays quiet and adds the uh, Shane Gossesperer. Brings back Dmitry Kulikov, <laughs> and on the forward core, he adds a Nick Fuchsad. Who, I mean, it's fine, but like, honestly, that should cost him his job. I know that won't happen, but like, it's possible. It sh- it should because like, you're in year what eight and nine of ninety seven twenty nine. The West is wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, McDavid's on pace for numbers you haven't seen since Lemieux. He he's gonna hit 140 points. He probably gets 60 goals. I mean, we've mentioned Leon, who's been underwhelming, but he's still on pace for 120. Hyman and Nugent Hopkins are gonna hit 30 goals, maybe 40. They're gonna hit 90 points. And maybe like we 100. said, the bottom and like we said, the bottom six has been a positive. And since January 1st, 2023, this team has been top 10 in defensive stats and expect the goals against and all that stuff. They're top 10 in each category. They're like it's unbelievable. It's this like I don't really get the narrative where we're a bad team. Are we a lazy team? Yeah, we're pretty lazy. We saw that today. But when this team is on their game, like they're an easy conference final appearance. And adding an Eric Carlson, adding a Jacob Chickren, adding a a Patrick Kane, that increases the odds of you winning a championship this year. Mm -hmm. And like they they can't they can't sit around. There's no. no way you can sit around this year. I agree. If you're going to if you are ever going to bring in a, a needle mover in McDavid and Drysdale's tenure, the time is now. The stars have aligned perfectly. The West sucks. Like the Oilers keep losing, and they're literally what four, five, six points out of first in the West. Like it is so right there for you. And I know we talked about this hard stretch coming up, but after this. So after they play the Boston, the Toronto's, and the Winnipeg's, then it goes to a bunch of San Jose's, a bunch of Anaheim's, and those are you're back to those really light opponents. I think you play Phoenix or Arizona a couple times. Like they, it does get lighter. You're going into the tough stretch. Can the the moves need to come? I think there's a sense around Edmonton that everyone knows that these moves need to come. This is the first time I can really remember that a lot of media members and people from TSN, people outside the market calling for a big move. And I, I, I think the best way to frame this is the way that Craig Button put it on TSN. He said, the cost of not helping this team and getting just a, like you said, a Gosses Bear and a Nick Bukestad or whatever is much greater than actually paying up your assets and paying your first round picks. The cost of not doing anything is much greater than doing something. 
he, he the time is now, and I think it should co- like cost. It, this is a de- career. I shouldn't be. It is a career defining moment in Ken Holland's tenure when he won his cups. When he made his moves before, there was no salary cap. Whatever he was gifted talents on long deals, and we can get into the whole Ken Holland debate another day. But but this is his. He's with the Oilers now. He's the Edmonton Oilers general manager. He is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. If he wants to have this legacy and he believes in his legacy and he thinks that, oh, I need to leave this covered stock and I'm going to leave Edmonton with X, Y, Z. This is where you define your legacy right here at this deadline and on this playoff run. Because if you don't, there's going to be major question marks and a lot of topics that will come up that none of us really want to talk about. Right. So I that's kind of where I'm at. You're right. This is the second, second to last year of Ken Holland. Right. So if you win it now. That's great. You go out with a bang. You just announce your tire retirement on like August 1st. First. You Brad call Holland. in. Yeah, you just go, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to throw throw everything away and I'm moving to Barbuda or whatever. I'm yeah. good. So if you go now, this is the ideal time. Next season, you're going to have a lot more pressure. We all know that GMs in their final year, they are pressured beyond belief to try and make things happen. That's when we start seeing panic trades, bad trades, if they're trying to hold on to their career. Ken Holland's not exactly like a spring chicken. I just want to add on to that point. Um, Next year's also the final year before Leon and the Oilers can talk to an extension. So that adds even more pressure for Ken because... You know, he's not getting, like here's the thing, Ken's not the GM that's gonna be doing the Leon Drive Sex extension. That's either Steve yeah. Sales, Brad Holland, or whoever they hire. I don't know. Bob yeah. Nichols is gonna hire like Dale Talon Keith Gretzky, whatever. Yeah. But like like Ken Holland's not doing the Leon extension. We know that. So like you know, add on to the fact that this team has to win the cup and he's in the final year of his own deal. I'm kind of scared to see what happens next year at the deadline in free agency. That's a scary thought to me, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, it's yeah. super scary, man. It's super scary. So uh, Wise Carl and Chatmate wanted us to talk about his trade proposal. So in here, he said, Ekholm or EK. At, is yeah, he I'm, talking I'm Eric assuming Carlson? that's Eric Carlson. <laughs> at 40% and Ekholm at 10%. At 10%. Plus Janelle, who makes 800K. Oh, you know what? 50% for Barry JP Yamo, two first read shape for two seconds and a third. <laughs> okay. So in theory, like, yeah, sure. Sick. I love it. Would I do it? Absolutely. A couple things that I say are probably unrealistic about this. There's just way too much going on. Like, I don't think Ken Holland has the mental fortitude to be able to move that many players in this short of a time span. Well, and I think it goes back to my my point earlier was that you can try and put whatever retention numbers in there, trade proposals in there, but everything is grounded in the fact that you're negotiating with another human being, right? Mm -hmm. And in negotiations, in formal terms, there's something that is your, your alternative, right? If you make a trade, what is the things that you're giving up and what's the alternative to giving those things up? Well, if you're Mike Greer, maybe you want to just hold on to Eric Carlson because he's having an amazing season. If you think that the value you're going to get back 
is worth less than say i don't know like ticket revenue next year then you would hold on to it as an but, asset for that part of the business my my career should my career is for hockey my career shouldn't be thinking about tickets I, I, for the oil for the sharks i think any for just from their perspective and again maybe i'm biased Keeping Eric Carlson after the deadline is a huge mistake. You're, the Oilers are paying a premium for the year that Eric Carlson is having. Right. We've seen mediocre years and years past them in San Jose. He's not played like this before. We're paying the premium for that. One, they're trading Timo Meyer, and you're going to keep the guy that will keep dragging you single-handedly up the standings. If you're trading Timo Meyer, you want to go all the way down. So if you're going to do that, Go all the way down. You don't need a 32-year-old defenseman pulling you back up who's not going to line up with your with you with the with the window. And I think that line of thinking is correct, right? Mm-hmm. But the another line of thinking could also be correct. That's what I was getting back to in yes. terms of management. There's no definitive ultimate answer because we're yeah. working with imperfect information. We don't mm-hmm. know what's going to happen in the future. And we know when you're negotiating with a person, some people are more risk averse. Some -hmm. people are more willing to jump in and say, you know what, I'm willing to gamble on the fact that I'm going to draft well with my firsts, my seconds that I get back for Eric Carlson. I think I'm going to draft amazing players and we're going to build a a franchise right away. We're going to turn it right around. And it's going to happen before my negotiations with my owner when I have to renegotiate my GM contract. Sometimes it depends on the party that you're negotiating with, right? And we can see that happening with, I mean, like Bill Armstrong, for example. A lot of guys are proving to be maybe a little bit more stubborn. And you're right. I think it's in the best interest to move on from, I mean, you mentioned Timo Meyer, I think Eric Carlson, mm-hmm. Jacob Chikrin, all these guys, it's in their best interest to, but I'm not that GM. So whatever they're thinking, if they find that that value's not there, they might nix a trade. There's a reason why Jesse Pugliarvi isn't on waivers, isn't already out of Edmonton, right? Ken Holland wants to hold on to this asset. And as much as everyone agrees, maybe the cap freedom is something that you you would value. He thinks differently. And we're all aboard this wild ride of NHL GMs and what they yes. want to do. Uh, yeah, let's one, just... One thing about Carlson... Sorry. One thing about Carlson, right? Um, like, he's not going to have this year type of year again next season. So Edmonton literally has all the leverage here. You know, if mm-hmm. I'm San Jose, and if Edmonton is offering me a subpar package, honestly, I think at that point you have to take it because, because like six months ago, Carlson was a negative asset. Yes, right? he had a, I did. Yeah. Anchor, he's gonna make he had an anchor point. of a contract, and that's that's he's gonna probably regress back to that next year. Maybe not, you know, a 30, 40 point guy but maybe a like no one knows he could yeah, turn no into knows. a pumpkin or he could keep it up like like there's yeah. literally no it's a coin flip it is a coin flip so for mike greer to hold on to it i'm so glad you brought that up it's such a risk for this franchise because if he regresses next year and they can't get rid of that contract and they're stuck with it because they need cap flexibility they still have mark edward vlasic under contract for the next year there yeah. they have i think they're in ltir and they only have like 700 grand of cap space and have you seen their roster it's absolutely horrible uh it's 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 horrible so they they want the flexibility if it means paying 
Okay, I hear the people, oh, no one wants to pay Carlson $20 million not to pay for you. Okay, well, you're going to pay, you know, okay, you're paying him $20 million to pay for you, but you're also saving $35 million on the end of the deal, right, that the Oilers are going to have to pay. So it's not like they're just sending him out the door for nothing. You're getting tangible, really good assets back. And this might be your only other chance. The only other team that I've heard connected to Eric Carlson in any sort. And it, and it was something like, okay, maybe in the summer they'll be interested and maybe they try to make it work if they move money around, was Florida. Florida doesn't have a first-round pick till 2026. I do not know what they're giving up for Eric Carlson that the Oilers can't. They could be any package Florida has. So I think this is a lot of hardball and posturing by Mike Greer. Like you brought up mm-hmm. that David Pagnotta, that David Pagnotta, oh, they're far away. The San Jose only wants to retain uh, two to three million and the Oilers want somewhere closer to five million what that could be is someone in San Jose going uh, or, or in I, I'd probably be San Jose going to Pagnotta saying that stuff in hopes that someone in the Oilers front office sees that article and it gets them back to the negotiating table okay we're not that far away this is the thing and, and it's all it's all posturing like we don't know the media is used by the players, by the agents, by the teams. That's why everyone hears different things. That's why there's so much conflicting reports going on. No one knows what's happening. Uh, there's a let's touch on. I, we're running a bit long here. So let's touch on a few trade proposals in chat, and I think we'll we'll call it a night here. Sound good? Sure thing. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so let's see. Mickinator says Carlson for Barry with fifty percent retained. Yamo a first, and then Patrick Kane fifty percent retained for jp first and hallway so i think you're overpaying for kane yeah that, uh, that's a definite overpay especially what we're already hearing in the market it it won't require a first for patrick kane at all like no, that's that's so. what we've been hearing and there's honestly there's only a handful of suitors there's no real need to patrick kane is a star player but there's no real need for the oilers to outbid and overpay for a guy like that Right. That's not our pressing need right now. Shaden. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just I date back to your proposal last game over. I think you said Fogel in the second could get you Patrick Kane. And I agree. Yeah. Like, I mean, just get another team to be a broker. Get him at fifty percent retain. He's at two, I think at two point eight or two point seven. Like it's not that hard. It's exactly throw him a fifth. Yeah, get him a like the third retaining it, it team. Give him a same, fifth or something. It would be relatively the same as what the Leafs paid for Ryan Riley, just because Patrick Kane, I think, is paid in total like two million dollars this year. So in actual yeah. cap, it's nothing. So it would be a very late round draft pick to get someone to facilitate a deal. And I think Montreal said someone from Montreal said that they were trying to facilitate the Toronto O'Reilly deal, and uh, yeah. it didn't happen. But there, there are a bunch of people out there, a bunch of teams out there trying to facilitate these UFA salary cap retention deals uh what wisecal says yamark and a third for barbashev at 50 percent. i think barbashev is going to get a first from someone yeah. i don't think that's going to happen uh ekholm at 15 percent retained for barrier first second i think if you're bringing in ekholm ekholm makes a, uh is below the threshold of Carlson, where I don't think they would want to move up Barry in an Ekholm deal just because they have different hands. You I still think, need uh, a power play guy, so... Yeah, Ekholm to me is, if you're bringing in Ekholm, it's one of the forwards going out, and you're trying to get as much retention through, like, futures as possible. Uh, there's apparently six teams that are apparently wanting to get picks uh, from the bank. Yeah, no, there, there's a t- there's teams out there, Anaheim, Arizona, Montreal, Minnesota. I, I bet you St. Louis would do it eventually if they clear enough cap. Uh, there's people out there. There's a bunch of good trades. I see one from Meyer. I don't think the Oilers have, can compete with the offers that are out there for Timo Meyer. No. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, it, it, yeah. 
it's it's tough right because we as fans can speculate a lot in media we can speculate a lot but again the the situation in the room general managers they'll mm-hmm. talk and we don't have to do this like a like an nhl 23 trade right it's not like we'll we'll throw it out there and it's a declined and if we throw it out there a month from now it's still declined gms Mm -hmm. are allowed to change their mind if for example and here's what i'm honestly what i'm hoping out of the others uh, during the trade deadline is my career sees hey there's no real other offers out there he goes to management or upper ownership and says hey this is what we got honestly i think it's worth it convince ownership to go with that rebuilding path mm-hmm. and then give Carlson to Edmonton for whatever yeah. Ken Holland asked for. Right. I don't think the, you're right. The posturing should be something that we really hang ourselves up on. It's, it's gotta be a situation where we keep an open mind. We mm-hmm. try and keep the communication lines open. And at any time someone might decide, you know what? No, I will take your offer or sweeten it with like, like a fifth okay. or like a sixth, yeah. and then yeah. we got a deal handshake, yeah. you know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, last one I see, I've seen Wallman's name come up in chat. Doesn't sound like Detroit's selling off any of their guys, so I don't think Jake Wallman is a possibility. But yeah, Dennis, I hope you're right. Uh, we've been running for a little bit, lo- a little bit long here. Uh, there's four more games left until the deadline. Uh, so yeah, the Oilers are back at it Thursday against Pittsburgh. We got Columbus, then we got Boston, and then Toronto, I believe. That's the schedule coming up. Let's hope the Oilers. Honestly, I'm hoping for 500 in those four games. Uh, but we'll kind of see how it goes. They seem to show up against the good teams. Maybe they, it should be. We should be in for some some really fun games here. Regardless, as long as we don't get an effort like tonight, I think we should be good. I want to thank Shane for coming on with us once again. It was a blast as always, my man. You come on with such fantastic points. It's great to have you. I'm sure you'll be back in the future. And I'll pass it off to you, Dennis. Dennis, uh, thank you for hosting. Where can they find you tonight? Yeah, you can find me at Dennis Lee Y E G Shaden. Yeah, you can find anything. me at you can find me at Shay underscore news ninety three on Twitter. You can also follow my podcast channel. It's called the Tendercast. So, if you want to hear more great hockey takes, uh, look there. Awesome, right on. Thank and Zach, you you're much. Zach for you. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Zwheel ninety seven on Twitter, making phenomenal takes every day, <laughs> all day. So. <laughs> yeah uh yeah it was awesome having you on it'd be a blast and yeah i think that's that should be uh it from us tonight have a good yes, night, guys let's next uh, next game thursday february 25th or 23rd sorry against pittsburgh it's a 5 p.m mountain puck drop it's gonna be a triple header avery zach myself we'll all be on yeah. that post game show so we'll see you then and uh until then play la bomba baby let's play la bomba baby Bye-bye. Game over! Powered by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook.